G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. In the coming weeks leading up to the announcement of the much-anticipated Australian Christian Book of the Year, we'll have the opportunity to talk to some of the shortlisted authors about their books. One of those books shortlisted this year explores how to worship God through your work. Is it even relevant to assume that your career vocation might actually be something intended by God? Author Cara Martin is project leader with SEED. She's MBA curriculum developer with Ecclesia College and former associate dean of the Marketplace Institute at Ridley College in Melbourne. She has worked in media and communications, human resources, business analysis and policy development roles in a variety of organisations and as a consultant. She was director of the School of Christian Studies for three years and has lectured with the Brisbane School of Theology, Macquarie Christian Studies Institute and Wesley Institute. Cara has a particular passion for integrating our Christian faith and our work, as well as helping churches connect with the workers in their congregations. So a special welcome to 2020 to you, Cara Martin. Thank you very much. First of all, Cara, let me just say congratulations, a shortlisting for your book. That is, in many respects, a great privilege and an achievement on its own. It's, uh, it was a big surprise, really. This is the first book I've written, and um, it was such a delight uh, to find out that I'd been shortlisted. And it's uh, all credit to Sparklet as well, who hosts the awards, because it just really promotes and encourages Australian authors and, uh, and Christian writing, which is really exciting. Now, Cara, you reflect on your own experience in your book, uh, an experience mm. that really starts off feeling as though you were living a double life when, as a Christian, in the workplace that's dominated by non-Christians, you found all sorts of tensions at work. Yeah, I started, uh, my first sort of real job was as a TV reporter, and that was a um, in a really fast-paced sort of environment. Um, it was also an environment where there was a fair amount of uh, stress, pressure, um, swearing, uh, people finish the day often by um, resorting to alcohol uh, to relieve some of the pressure and stress. So it was sort of quite an environment to walk into as a young person and as a Christian. Uh, but there were also all sorts of pressures while I was at work. There was pressure to to lie in the sense of to make a story seem more glamorous, more exciting than it was. Um, and there was pressure to... Uh, almost uh, trick people, sort of not let them know that you were recording so you get something really juicy. There are there all sorts of different pressures like that that I came under. Uh, and I've, I found it such a challenging workplace. And when I actually tried to find some resources for how do I approach this as a Christian, what does God want from me when I go to work, I found there weren't many resources available. Um, my church were much more excited about me doing stories about uh, 
the various church activities and they were sort of walking alongside me in this pretty tough place. And so the temptation, which I think a lot of Christians feel, is to actually almost switch off your faith while you're at work. Um, it seems like such an incompatible place for faith sometimes that it's easier just to switch off. In fact, um, there was one guy I know and he said to me that he goes to church on Sunday and Monday morning when he gets on the bus to go to work, he basically switches off his face. He said he checks out his face, checks off. Um, and then he doesn't really think about God much until the following weekend. And I think it's tempting to do that, but I think that's actually really, really unhealthy and unhelpful. It's unhealthy for our faith life, but I think we also miss out on a great opportunity in the workplace to actually express our faith in ways that are creative and interesting, that actually invite people to find out more about the God we believe in. Well, especially if you're a young person or mm. you're at work and maybe you're a newcomer as an employee, you're not the boss, you don't have control of the culture of your mm. workplace, somehow or other you've got this tension of how you hold tight to principles of your faith and mm. at the same time fitting in and doing a good job as to what the boss expects. Yeah, totally. That, that's exactly what the issues are. And I think there are some simple things we can do, uh, really simple things, uh, as a start, one is to remember that ultimately we are to work for God, not for our human boss. So Colossians 3.23 actually says, work as if you're working for the Lord and not um, human masters. And I think that's a really helpful principle. So that, uh, that means that when we walk into the workplace, we're conscious that, that God is our boss. He's the one ultimately that directs what we do there. Um, and also that be aware that he's actually already in the workplace. That's the other problem we have. Sometimes we think um, that we're the only Christian in our workplace or that we're actually taking Jesus into the workplace. But actually God is everywhere. <laughs> he's at work everywhere. Um, what is more helpful to think through, well, where is God already at work? Where do I see glimpses or signs of God at work in this workplace? Um, where can I just um, accentuate what he's already doing? And of course, I think the third thing is to, to, to get a friend as well to walk alongside you, especially if you're facing challenges. Someone who can pray with you and um, can hold you accountable as well. I think that's, that's an incredibly helpful thing. So how do you use your workplace or your work to worship God, Cara? <laughs> well, uh, I think... We're actually made to do this, but somehow um, through the centuries we've broken work from worship. We actually see them as two very different, very separate things. You see, when um, God made the world, uh, he, he actually worked. <laughs> and uh, so we're made in the image of a God who works. And so work, you know, we can see is something that God does. But the, the very first thing that God does in terms of humans is he, he takes the human and he puts the human in the garden and he tells the human to work the earth and to keep the garden. And the, the Hebrew root of those words for work and keep are um, avad and shamar. And they're Hebrew words that are used later to talk about serving God in the temple. We are to work, serve God in worship. And we're also told uh, Shema to keep the commandments. And so those, those ideas of work and worship were linked right from the beginning. Um, and in between 
there was the fall. Sin has sort of broken some of those connections. But ultimately, I think we can actually connect those things together again. So when I go to work, I see that actually um, I'm using my gifts and my skills. I'm using everything that I am to actually seek to serve God, to honour God, and also to serve others. And by doing that, we can actually see that our work has an opportunity to become a place of worship in lots of ways. Cara, a very tough one and not an easy response here, but supposing you are that Christian believer, Mm -hmm. uh, you work in a workplace, there are all sorts of compromises, even quite open uh, corruption that's going on, Mm -hmm. uh, very difficult to fit into those circumstances. What sort of encouragement do you give to believers Mm -hmm. who find themselves faced with these ethical challenges each day and how they might face Mm -hmm. work and still hold tight to their faith? Yeah, I, I mean, I face some of these challenges myself and, oh well, often. <laughs> uh, you have to know when you're going to sort of make a stand on things. There are some things which are a bit greyer. There are some things that are really black and white. Um, and you really need to pray for uh, creativity sometimes and the opportunity to honour um, I'll give you an example of that. So one time I was working in communications for quite a large company and and the marketing guy came to me and asked me to plant a story in a newspaper. And it was actually a false story, but he wanted me to plant it because the company was negotiating with uh, uh, some overseas people and if we planted the story and they read the story, it would help them to sort of bump up the price. And... To me, this was a black and white issue. This was something where it was like completely out and out <laughs> lying. So there was, it was something I was not comfortable about doing. But I was a really junior employee. This was the marketing manager. You know, how do I respond to that? So in the end, I said, look, can you give me some time? And, uh, and that's the thing we often need to do at the beginning. If we have a situation like that, we need to ask for time uh, so that we can actually think about it and pray about it. So I prayed about it and um, I, God just gave me the, the right thing to do the next day. The next day I went to the marketing manager's manager, the general manager of marketing, and I gave him this pro forma of uh, the media release. And I said, look, this is what I've been asked to do. I feel really uncomfortable about it. I think if we're found out, it'll really impact on the reputation of the organization. But there's the outline of the media release. Here's the contacts if you want to do this then you do it, but, you know, I won't actually do this for you. So I gave the tools, but I didn't become part of it, and nothing happened as a result of that. Like, there was no no story planted, and I kept my job. (laughs) (laughs) Good advice. It takes some time. Think it Mm. through, pray it through, look Mm. for an opportunity where you will be able to act in a level of integrity. Cara Martin is our guest. She's the author of a book called Workship, How We Can Worship God Through Our Work. It's nominated and shortlisted as one of the books on the shortlist for the Australian Christian Book of the Year. We're back to talk some more in just a short while. An opportunity today to talk about one of those books shortlisted for the Australian Christian Book of the Year. It's a book called Workship. 
How We Can Worship God Through Our Work. The author is Cara Martin, and Cara's talking through some of these issues with us today. And even when we go back to the book of Genesis, Cara, we see that, you know, the very first thing that God's doing is working in that six days to create the heavens and the earth. God is not a stranger to work. So really, we ought to be looking for principles, oughtn't we, when it comes to our Christian faith, based on what God says about work. Absolutely. Uh, It's something that a lot of people don't look in the Bible for. When you look in the Bible, you don't think uh, immediately, I'm going to find something about my work or my workplace here. But actually, the Bible is literally littered with stories and ideas and images of work. Um, It's just we, we sort of separate out. We think of the Bible as a spiritual thing and not a physical, tangible thing like our work is. Um, so, yeah, so in Genesis 1, we, we see God at work, as it were, um, and the, the Hebrew word that is used right from the beginning of God creating uh, is a word that's only used with God. Um, so it's a special type of work, an amazing creative sort of work, um, and it's, it's work that seems very easy for God. He just speaks and things come into being. Wouldn't we love to work like that? <laughs> However, the important thing is that we're actually made in the image of this working God. We're actually made, if you like, to work. And uh, God actually gives us that instruction almost straight away. He's, he's, he's finished creating and he says to us, you know, you are to look after this creation that I've given you. You are to steward it and care for it. Um, and that's all about the work that we do. And so the jobs that we have... Um, from someone who's a cleaner, um, someone who's an artist, all the, the, the different sorts of things we do, we can actually see are uh, linked into either this creative work of God or else um, this looking after caring, providing sort of work that we do, looking after creation, or it may be even the redeeming work of Jesus, uh, someone who restores cars, uh, is actually redeeming cars, redeeming um, things that's, that seem to be broken or wasted. Redeeming our workplace, uh, because mm. when we pray that prayer from the Lord's Prayer, uh, your kingdom mm. come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, oftentimes that applies to our workplace because it applies to our lives uh, where there are others who are around us each day who are impacted by sin, whether they're individuals mm. or whether it's our workplace. Uh, but mm-hmm. there is a sense in which we're involved in the mission, in the redemption of our workplace, because even if there are things that are not of high integrity in our workplace, we're called to be salt and light to bring a level of higher integrity in our workplace. Is that the way it works? Absolutely. I think we have a great opportunity to really give people a taste of, of what the kingdom looks like, this kingdom that Jesus announced. Uh, we have an opportunity to say, okay, you know, you, you're achieving your results by, by lying or manipulating or doing those things. I'm going to achieve the results in my work by, with integrity, by speaking the truth, by building relationships, um, by actually doing really good work that people honour and respect. Um, so there's, there's different approaches we can have in terms of how we work. But part of what we do should be to think, well, how can I actually give people a bit of a taste of what that looks like? And sometimes it can be a really easy thing, like it, it might seem inconsequential, <laughs> but it can really make a difference. For example, I know a woman who, um, she just is what uh, we might call a cubicle rat, as it were, someone who just op- occupies a desk in an office, in an open plan office. 
but she tries to make her desk as home-like as possible, as welcoming as possible. It's got colour and it's beautifully organised and there's pretty things and um, when someone comes to talk to her, she asks them to sit down and she treats them uh, with respect and dignity and, and people, it's almost like she's, she's given them a little taste of what it's like to be really welcomed by God to um, that little taste of hospitality. So sometimes there's even little things we can do that really can make a difference to others, can just um, give people a taste of, of what the kingdom might be like um, that looks different and feels different, that might intrigue people and might lead them to ask us questions. So our attitude to the work's important because if we're working in a mundane uh, job, uh, a lowly paid job, uh, mm. you're out of the way, no one's taking much notice of you. You're saying make the best of the opportunity because you're not mm. there by accident. Mm. I'll give you an example of that. I heard someone speak once and uh, she just had an amazing testimony. So she worked in a call centre. And if you can imagine a call centre, like you can't think much about well, how do you be a Christian in that place? Like they're under so much pressure to make calls all the time and to achieve targets and really driven atmosphere. Well, in her calling of people, she would call people and she would actually pray before she made the phone call and she would ask for an opportunity and then she would talk to the person with respect. And if she discovered that um, in talking with the person uh, that the product that she was trying to push um, didn't like this person didn't need it or it wouldn't suit them or it wouldn't be right, she would say, look, I don't think you should actually, you know, buy this. I think um, I think this isn't the right thing for you. And she had such an amazing response when she did that. She was acting with integrity, which you tend not to expect for people <laughs> from call centres. And the person on the other end of the line would often stop and say, are you serious? Like, are you supposed to sell this to me? And then she would explain, well, I don't think it's a good product for you. And then they'd say, tell me more about the product. And then sometimes they would say, oh, but that would be really good for my son or my daughter or something like that. It was just amazing. Um, and she actually ended up getting, like, really terrific uh, returns because of this, such that she was actually promoted to be leader of her section of the call center. And she took a while, but she managed to teach the people in her team these same principles of, respect and um, honesty and just dealing people as if they were real human beings on the other end of the phone and she taught them about sort of the importance of relationship and um, and she would pray about her team she would turn up to work early and she would pray at each desk of her team members and eventually um, her team actually had the same sort of results that she had they made fewer calls but they had much better responses and returns on the calls. And I think, to me, that was just a great example where, where someone had a really simple job, a lowly job, um, and through prayer and um, just living out the Bible's, uh, I guess, the Bible's commands to us, uh, just had this amazing response. And I imagine that expecting God in his faithfulness to open doors for your advancement, uh, sometimes we're a little impatient, but there is a sense, isn't there? We need to wait for God's timing, but his promises are that if we are acting in integrity and in righteousness in our work, then we will succeed. Yeah, and um, success might not be what we imagine it to be, to be honest. Um, yeah, like I've had a couple of times where um, where I've worked really hard, 
and I felt I was honouring God and I was serving others and it just hasn't turned out the way I imagined it would. Uh, the remarkable thing is that, you know, even though I couldn't understand it at the time, um, later on something has happened that has just sort of opened up a new way, which wouldn't have been possible if I'd stayed on the track in the old job. And, in fact, that's how, um, that's how this book came about. Uh, I had a contract that ended, which I didn't expect to end, that I was really disappointed about ending, and I, I was like, God, what are you doing, and impatient with God. Um, but what it actually did was create this space and this opportunity to write this book, um, which for me was a way of, of redeeming <laughs> that situation and all the, the work that I'd done in that situation. So, uh, yeah, success, we have to remember that sometimes success isn't what we imagine uh, it will be. Um, it may be different to what we imagine, but we have to trust that God's planning and God's timing is is perfect if we completely depend on him. When people give you feedback on your book, I note uh, one feedback that you received, I never knew God was interested in my work. That seems to be a fairly typical attitude that a lot of people might have. Uh, It's encouraging, isn't it, that when you can read about the work of God and our response to him, that our attitudes to our work can be changed. Uh, what would your aspiration for the future be with people reading your book? How do you hope their attitudes to their work will change? Um, the person who actually gave me that feedback, her name was Angela, and uh, she worked just in an admin job, just was her phrase. She was just an admin person. And, uh, yeah, it has really transformed the way that she sees her work. So from someone who thought that the only uh, the only work that God was interested in was the stuff she did at church on Sunday, and now she sees that Monday to Friday, what she's doing in her job, where she spends most of her time, is actually something that God is interested in, has completely transformed the way she sees it. Um, she's, it's given her a new lease of energy and enthusiasm for her work. She's looking for opportunities um, to actually... Yeah, express her faith in ways that might be um, working hard or caring for others in all sorts of ways, and uh, it's it's renewed her work, and it's also renewed her faith. She said she always felt like a second class Christian because she didn't do the, you know, drop everything and become a, a pastor or a missionary. She thought, you know, she that meant that she didn't. She wasn't as worthwhile to God, and now suddenly she sees that God can use her in her workplace to do His work in quite amazing ways. And I, I remember, um, yeah, I read that Billy Graham said at a Lausanne conference a while ago, a global conference. He said that work, the workplace is the next great mission field of the church, and I think that's what I hope will happen. That people will read this book and then see that. Actually, where I am, where I spend most of my time, the people I spend most of my time with, that's where God can work through me. That's where God can do amazing things. That's where we can renew the earth. That's where we can be part of God's great kingdom purposes. And I hope that we'll see Christians energized and enthused and excited about taking God to their work, seeing God at work in their work, and uh, being part of what God is already doing in their workplaces. 
Cara Martin, what a refreshing insight into work. I'll point people to your book. It's called Workship, How We Can Worship God Through Our Work. Keep an eye out for it at a Christian bookstore near you. And you can also go and visit the website, workship.com.au. That's workship.com.au. Cara Martin, thanks so much for taking some time to share your thoughts with us today on 2020. It was uh, such a pleasure. Thank you so much, Neil, for your interest. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.